Anarchy in the USSA. Too fucked up to be genre, too fucked up to be art. Think David Lynch's Eraserhead or Harmony Corinne's Gummo. Somewhere within those boundaries exists a series of film that have no proper home. The studios throw their hands up, the distributors decide not to pay for marketing, critics have no easy comparisons to phone in their reviews, and audiences find these films out by word of mouth only. Sometimes these films are so unreasonably maligned that they can't find a home on the festival circuit. What once was a domain of underground festivals have shriveled up as the majority of tastes have become more political in nature and less avant-garde. And if your film is deemed a short, well, shit, forget it. Your film gets buried on YouTube with 15 views all from your relatives and a few friends who watch the first minute and a half. Well, for the past 10 years, there has been one place that not only looks for these types of films, it celebrates them. It's called the Department of Anarchy, a shorts program held at Slam Dance, and is one of the most popular yearly attractions. And we have the two jokers that started it all, Noel Lawrence and Burke Roberts, on this episode of $5 Buzz. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of $5 Buzz. Uh, I am Roger Mayer, your intrepid host for this evening, along with my co-host in arms up there in Connecticut, Mr. George Crisar. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Uh, my wife just celebrated her birthday. We did a little hibachi tonight, had a couple of drinks, but I couldn't wait to get back uh, into the studio with you, Roger. I know we got some great guests tonight, so I'm stoked. Stephanie had a birthday today, huh? Yeah, she's That's feeling awesome. great. Yeah. Okay. Another well, another solar return for Stephanie. Yes, another solar return. We'll tell her we said happy birthday coming from Los Angeles. Thanks, also in Los Angeles, one of them for not much longer, I have with us today a couple of blokes who've been doing a program out of Slam Dance, the film festival that's been around since around 95, I think. Uh, how long have you guys been doing this now? What year was this? 10 years. This is our 10-year anniversary. 10-year anniversary of the Anarchy program at Slamdance. <clears throat> Department of Anarchy. Department of right, Anarchy. Man. Department of Anarchy at Slamdance. Excuse me, Burke Roberts. Uh, so mm-hmm. I have them, the, the two gentlemen. Difference. I, I understand. Yeah. I, I got the two gentlemen here who started the Department of Anarchy. I have Mr. Noel Lawrence and Mr. Burke Roberts. I went in alphabetical order, so go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to play whose name should go first. So um, his, his, his always goes first. He's the boss. That's Oh, okay. Um, so, gentlemen, so for 10 years, you guys started a, pro, uh, a program, a Department of Anarchy, that started off as just shorts, which expanded itself to include feature films and other programs, right? Or you tried to with Desolation yeah. Row and stuff like that, right? Wasn't that part of... We, we did some co-branding and we definitely will do it in the future. Yeah, it wasn't because so much that we tried... That we putting out. Yeah, it wasn't so much that we tried or that that's the trajectory. It's just when we do rarely uh, come across a feature that we think is absolutely in brand on brand with our curation and our, uh, you know kind of axiom of that which is anarcho cinema then yeah we like to kind of present it um and like noel said i'm sure uh, there'll be more of that in the future 
but uh, yeah, it's never really been the trajectory. Our curation is is finding the sick, fucking amazing short films around yeah, the world. And so it's been mostly short. So it's all all, all yeah. short. And you, there is a criteria that you guys set out. You know, as as both of you are filmmakers, and Noel started off as a curator in San Francisco and so forth, and that's how I discovered Noel. In fact. Um, and Burke and, and and because you discovered Noel, I discovered Noel. <laughs> thanks a fucking lot. I forgot you were the bl- blame. Yeah, it's your, your fault, Roger. That it's totally his fault. Happens. So, God damn it. Uh, all comes <laughs> all comes this, full this is circle. The one thing Burke and I will agree on is that yeah. we want to we hate Roger for what he did to us. <laughs> okay, yeah. I appreciate yeah. you, gentlemen. And I've worked with you both on different ways and means. Uh, uh, Noel helped me curate some stuff at the uh, Silver Lake or Downtown Film Festival. At least these eight, one time, one or twice, once or twice, right? And you bring in a bunch yeah. of stuff. That's how I found, yeah, that's how I found Corey's film and stuff like that, right? That was through you, right? You were showing me stuff through me. Yeah. But I thought it was through Noel. No, 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 um, no, no. Eric would have introduced you to Corey. Somebody else did that. My show. My show was at your thing had Rodney Asher. Oh yes, Brian Butler and hey, you guys Charles gotta you guys gotta talk about stuff that the viewers and listeners know about. Otherwise, it's a fucking bore. I'd turn you guys off. Oh, I love it. I love it. Keep on Just keep, keep let's be adversarial on this one. We we don't have enough adversarial guests on our <laughs> show. So this is don't this me. I'm I'm having fun already. Listen, <laughs> um, okay. So you guys started this program. You have a certain criteria. You guys were sitting there, you know, I've been in the film festival game for a long time. Both of you have been attached to curation and festivals and filmmaking. And, you know, when you go through a list or, a, you know, a, a laundry list of a thousand titles or 1500 titles in a matter of three or four months, it burns you out. And after a while, even the stuff you consider good is somehow compromised. Right. I mean, or, or lack of or, or looks, you know, just like everything else or attempts to ape the very system it wants to you know, cohabitate with. Well, or or you'll tend to find things that, you know, nail eight out of ten. But those other two elements are unforgivable. So unfortunately, or that, as you know, you can't put something in, you know, I mean, so, for example, for 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 us often now more than ever. You know, we'll come across some really great content or something, but if it happens to be a filmmaker that didn't give thought, and you find this a lot in this era of, of kind of, uh, you know, everybody's a filmmaker that didn't give thought to say framing and color composition or, you know, just basic, you know, elements of cinema, no matter how great the content or the ideas and stuff, uh, the competition is just like the bar is really fucking high, you know? But beyond that, I mean, okay, so that I mean, but a lot of fil- but a lot of film festivals look for that as well. What I'm saying, what makes you different, as far as specifically to the Department of Anarchy, why don't you just one of you lay out the criteria that you're looking for, and it's not quite any. No, no. yeah, Noel, why don't you why don't you take that and uh, we'll see we'll see if you get it right. Okay, <laughs> so Burke can criticize me later. This is always what he does. But in any case, this is kind of. Uh, the genesis of Department of Anarchy. Um, there are a lot of films that kind of ended up in this limbo where they didn't fit in anywhere. They were not commercial, but they were not museum. At, at, at Slamdance. Yeah, I mean, the ones that, that were submitted to Slamdance, but just 
circulating out there in the universe as well. In the world, sure. There's a, there was sort of this like invisible community of, you know, really talented people that were doing really interesting stuff, but their stuff was just too fucking weird uh, to get played at most mainstream uh, film festivals. Some of it maybe in the past would have been at the underground film festivals, but those have more or less were di have died out in the last 10 or 20 years or so. And so, well, the way that we looked at Department of Anarchy was that it was sort of like this island of misfit toys uh, for filmmakers who were not fitting in anywhere else in the cultural landscape. We wanted to create an orphanage because both Burke and I as filmmakers were very, very frustrated over the years because we didn't feel that we had a home for the stuff we were doing. So I guess that's why, yes, it's curation, but it's also just something that him and I feel deeply, deeply passionate about because we're trying to create a better world for people like us, the weirdos. <laughs> that's a perfect description, I think. Burke, what, yeah. did you do That's all right amazing. there, Burke? Amazing. Now he's going to take credit. <laughs> For like the first time. Uh, yeah, he was reading that off a script I sent him, but uh, this is all an act, folks. Anyway, uh, actually, so yeah, no, that's, he nailed it. Um, if you don't mind, I would love to go back to, though, how this came to fruition. Yeah, I, uh, please. Uh, at, the, at the dawn of the, a decade ago. So basically, uh, as we kind of mentioned, Noel and I had met through a film festival that you uh, were running, uh, the Downtown Los Angeles Film Festival, where Noel uh, at the time was doing an amazing fucking weird project that is unfortunately really just ahead of its time because had that hit in the era of the internet uh, and social media really could have caused, caused a ruckus, but it caused quite a ruckus considering he didn't have that. And that was called JX Williams. Um, and. Uh, Ultimately, I won't say that much about it because I'll let Noel speak to that. But it, but he presented um, actual celluloid film clips from an archive of a uh, forgotten and somewhat unknown kind of B and even C filmmaker from the uh, I think the 50s through the through the maybe even up to the 80s. Uh, anyway, I, look, Noel's chopping at the bit to talk about JX, but no, let no, me, it's uh, cool, let I, I want you to, but let, let me jump let me jump ahead. So anyway, point is that Noel wasn't so much presenting exactly a film at uh, Los, downtown Los Angeles Film Festival. He was presenting his show, which was him uh, doing a lecture and showing the clips of these things. At the time, I was already associated with Slam Dance, having been a filmmaker there and uh, having a program for them here and there in shorts and in features, um, which they asked the filmmaker alumni to do always um and uh i was also though running a gallery in hollywood at the time uh that was called engineering cinematique um and i won't get too into that but i what i did was uh i, I had seen noel's show so i decided to bring him to also present it at my gallery and it was fucking wild and it was fun and it was it was uh yeah really killer so anyway that was when he and i first started to really kind of understand uh, that we uh, piss in the same pool, so to speak, on all the things Noel just spoke of. Um, and uh, so at a certain point, I recommended him also to Slam Dance to do the show, which he did. Uh, they loved it. Um, Peter Baxter, the one of the founding members of Slam Dance, um, uh, really embraced it and embraced Noel. 
I had at that point said, I will never fucking program for Slam Dance again, because the way all the other programs work over there, and you know, this is definitely to their credit. It's, it's, it's my, my uh, faulty wiring that makes me unable to get to participate, but it's highly democratic. I mean, could not be more opposite than Sundance and how political Sundance is. Uh, Slam Dance is genuinely democratic. Where it was troublesome for me to do that is exactly because of what Noel talked about. Our, uh, my tastes, um, you know, uh, I just had, you know, a single vote and it was almost like trying to be on, on some kind of, uh, you know, government committee where you got to like lobby people to trade for votes because most people just didn't understand. I was sick of having to give uh, a lot of the people who uh, also were voting for a given category, like a history lesson in avant-garde cinema and the like. So anyway, I got frustrated, didn't really want to spend that much time looking at stuff to just, you know, have to fight maybe to get something in, of which I am proud to say I did uh, fight to get some things in that would have ended up in the trash. Uh, in fact, one thing was genuinely in the trash and somebody happened to pick it up because they were out of other films <laughs> and that passed it off to me and that film ended up getting the, the uh, audience award. So I'm What movie was that? Of that. Oh God. Don't matter, just keep going. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it. I mean, this was literally 12 years Rat ago. Rat bastard. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think of it. Uh, it was fantastic though. But anyway, um, so point is eventually Noel had been conferring with Peter Baxter and they came to me and said, would you be interested in taking over what they already have, which was a, was a, was a thing called Anarchy, which was just kind of their like- It was their the online- side online. Right, which, which was, which was telling. You're, you're yelling yeah, at yeah. each other. What were you, what were you saying? Well, that was, it, it was an online film festival, which was back in the days before anybody watched anything online. Ah. It was just kind of a throwaway, okay. which was funny. So uh, they, since they kind of had this little division, they didn't know what to do with it. Uh, Noel and Peter got to talking and they uh, came to talk to me. And I said, basically like, as long as we're full dictators, like it's just me and Noel and we're, you know, it's a curation not a program and and in, in that sense it is a program but what i mean by that is not a, a democracy with all this other stuff because we are curators and and there's always been a little bit of confusion of that even amongst the festival sometimes where we have to really lay it out like curation is itself a craft we pride ourselves in it we work hard at it there is a lot that goes into it not just selecting films and watching a fuck ton of films but the entire uh, design and trajectory of the roller coaster that we take our audiences on and with with the films, uh, you know, the order they're in, the, 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 the colors and tones and themes that they're, uh, and, and lengths that they're delivered in, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of how it came to fruition. At first, it was just kind of a small thing and it just started to become more and more popular and we started to uh, get better at it, basically. Yeah, I mean, to give you some context about the, uh, the juries, um, the problem that Burke was facing, and I think that people generally face when you have 10 people deciding on a film, is that the uncontroversial golden mean film. Well, 40, 40 people sometimes. Yeah, or even more. But in any case, <laughs> yeah. the films that are not loved but are liked by everyone are the ones that get screened in the festival. And generally, those types of films are anodyne. I know we're not interested in that. We yeah. wanted to show divisive films. These were films that either you loved them or you hated them. 
And when we started Anarchy, we had absolutely no idea how the audience would react. Our initial <laughs> expectation was we were going to get a whole bunch of walkouts and people hate what we did. And we were fine with that because uh, we weren't really trying to do something to please, you know, a mainstream or even a mainstream festival audience. And so as time went on to kind of develop the story here, the huge shock was that nobody in Park City was doing quite something like what Burke and I were doing because we were taking things that never ever would have shown, you know, at certain film festivals in the past. And we were showing them. And for some audiences, that was refreshing uh, because uh, we, we, we took more chances with the kind of programming we did. We did edgier stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've been to those shows, man, and it's SRO, you know, it's like those things, you got to find a seat in the aisle way. It's it also crammed up in the, those screenings. That's so those, thing, those things have been uh, very, very popular, um, uh, especially amongst other filmmakers. It's maybe the biggest audience for those are other people, people from Sundance are going to see these films at Slamdance um, because of how interesting the, the shorts program is. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's a it's a testament to the actual taste that you two guys have, which is uh, really unexpected. Um, hey, Raj, <laughs> can I jump in and ask a question? I know that. Sure. Uh, a while, a couple of weeks back, I asked you, I, I walked into this abandoned, uh, uh, something that these days is abandoned commercial real estate, right? I walked into this one old school building and I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm walking into that HBO short film with the killer tape. And I knew Roger, you'd be one of the only people that I could say, hey, remember that film with the killer tape? I don't know if you guys remember that HBO short from the 70s. Where they were, I think it's called the flesh-eating killer tape, where this guy walks into like an office building and he gets he goes on a job interview and he gets attacked by like actual film. It's kind of like this old school uh, animation, Roger, like in the Harry Hop. The um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is the return of flesh-eating film reels. Right, seventy-five. You know this one, Noel? That seems like something you would definitely know. It sounds. Really I'm familiar. stunned that neither one of I you wish guys I knew it. it. Uh, if someone has a YouTube link, uh, send it out. <laughs> it's I, a mean, great... not, I mean, it, cer it certainly sounds like some some stuff that is one of the many uh, slots that uh, that that is anarcho cinema, and we tend to in a given year feature stuff like that. And in fact, uh, we have always kind of wanted to do, we haven't had the opportunity, but we've always kind of wanted to do, you know, curations, multiple of these kinds of lost historic pieces that, and put them into some collections uh, that people have not gotten a chance to see and they deserve a, a revival. And under our kind of, uh, you know, I don't know what you want to call our, our shit. I don't like calling it a brand uh, under, you know, the under canon our, our, our um yeah under our canon thank you well what um, the, well the point the, like the question i wanted to ask you guys is uh were there any short films specifically that you guys saw coming up on your way up as filmmakers that kind of was there something about the short film specifically that got you guys excited and said hey we want to focus on this uh specific uh you know type of form film? Yeah, I, I, I mean, think, I, I've always loved short form. I think yeah. I think it's it's I think it's an unsung 
hero. All, all filmmakers started making them and most, even the most established, you know, giant commercial film, filmmakers still make them. People, filmmakers like to make short films. It's like short, you know, it's like short fiction for writers. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, we, we are a great home for them when I don't think there are very many. Other I mean, the studios, you know? the studios, exactly. that, I, I still think that they should have them like, you know, uh, uh, instead of having 30 minutes of trailers, they should bring back having a short film open for other films. This way it could operate like a band where, you know, big, big filmmakers can have a, a smaller filmmaker they support be their opening act and so on, you know? Yeah. And I think some film festivals, in fact, do that where they show they a short film followed by a feature. I actually once was having a conversation. Sundance has been doing it ever since I worked there, so. Yeah, no, I, mean, I mean, most fe most festivals do that. I'm just saying, I think it, it deserves a broader yeah, a know, mainstream scope than that, the, the, the forum does. A theatrical release, yeah. Were yeah. there any shorts that you guys recall just as that really you guys would put a spotlight on for like just general film watchers I, that, I hey mean, man. There's, if, there's probably 30. Yeah. that are that good and I any that over the last couple more. of years that really stuck with you what's the one or two that might have stuck with you think about it you know uh, you guys are you guys are putting us on the spot because we do feel like the parents of like a really fantastic yeah, yeah, family we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna just like pull out of our ass yeah, yeah, one, yeah. Or one or two of the literally over hundreds of films that we've got in the in the library and, and i know some of them filmmakers if you understand yeah <laughs> but i i would i would just ask and i was like a gen general gen pop film watcher or i mean i i wouldn't say i mean but if you had a you know if we had to curate like a short list of uh where would you steer folks to say you know maybe a certain filmmaker a certain type of uh film for the non-short film i'm, confu watcher. I'm confused I, I think what he's saying is, what's an anarchy type auteur? No, I get. That, yeah, um, you could see pretty easily today. No, I, I, I guess I'm, shorts, though. I'm, I'm trying to educate like the average film watcher that, you know, short films is not something that they generally will gravitate towards. What are a couple of films that you guys would say maybe this? Take a look at these if you can. Uh, that are available shorts. If you're available to you, yes, yeah. correct. Well, I, I can answer that actually. That is different yeah, from theirs, yeah. so they don't have to get uh, squirmy about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm play favorites here. <laughs> but I, I, I would say, you know, to me, uh, the shorts that I've seen that have always struck me were actually longer shorts. Now, the rule of thumb is you don't want a short more than ten minutes. You want it most in the states. And the hold states. on, I finish. I mean, I'm just saying yeah. for American broadcast, yeah, because yeah. they like to cram in more films per program. And, yep. you know, it's hard to make a three-act structure or drama really hit in 20 minutes. I mean, it's it's a big, you got to really bring it to be able to make it happen. But if you're looking for those, Kiwanis Brooklyn is one that became a movie called uh, Half Nelson. Uh, the feature film with Ryan Gosling was a yeah. phenomenal short film. Bobby Cannavale, was he in there? Uh, I don't know if, I can't remember who was in the the. It's been a while since I've seen the feature, yeah. but I know the little girl is the same one in both the feature and the mm -hmm. short. Uh, Five Feet High and Rising became Raising Victor Vargas. That was a phenomenal short. And then one of my favorite shorts, one of the most disturbing shorts I've ever seen, was a movie called Bug Crush by Jack Smith. He went on to become a... It's about... Yeah. yeah, yeah Bug Crush. It's a very cool. deviant little film about yeah, you know, psychedelic bugs that they put on their arms and have 
masochistic gay sex. It's a very strange. Uh, it's very anarcho cinema. This is our arena. Yeah, yeah. Bug, <laughs> Bug Crush yeah, ended yeah. up winning Sundance that year. Yeah, well, uh, uh, the, real quick though, to, to speak also, just to jump real quick back onto short form <laughs> and, and what we do, this is another aspect of why our curation is is really different than any other that I even know about, uh, certainly at, at uh, in the Park City festivals. Um, we uh, feature every uh, kind of short form. And by that, what I mean is animation, narrative, short documentary, experimental, uh, it, it, sometimes music video, if it's strong enough to hold with the rest. Um, uh, fashion films, like all, there's all sorts of short form um, and the part of Anarchy is open uh, to all of them, uh, right. which is part of what the, what makes the curation and the ride so fun. You said even animation too, right? Certainly. I mean, we, yeah. I mean, we've, anything, uh, I know you've had, have. you know, I know you've seen, but like uh, we've had uh, um, years where uh, the animations uh, actually end up being the majority. I mean, I've always, Noel, back me up here. We've always kind of felt sorry for the animation programmers because contrary to the live action programmers, animators uh, tend to be shut-ins who work really, really hard for a really, really long time on their work. So the bar is so fucking high. It's so hard to, to uh, choose. You can't, you can't simply get <laughs> your film in by, you know, showing amazing artisanship usually. Yeah, it's it, with, but actually with live the, action, like you know, the 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 gems rise to the top very very yeah. easily and quickly. But with I mean, to give you like a guitar player sort of analogy, it's kind of like yes, there's virtuosity and lots of you know shredders. Energy. Okay, and there's you know there's like a shredder like Inve Momstein, but BB King is a better guitarist or Jimi Hendrix is a better guitarist because they're bringing pathos and soul to their music. So even if you have the technical expertise to do certain stuff, um, in the end to really win an audience the way that we want to, um, you've got to get into story and you've got to have, you know, really good acting and you need to have some other element besides your simple animation talent and the will to do thousands of hours of laborious work. I think that's what it comes down to when we look at animated films for the Anarchy yeah. program. Yeah, it's we get submitted a lot of shredders. <laughs> at there's the a lot of they're, all, they're all shredders. They're all on. Yeah. They're all guitar heroes. You know? Yeah. No, is there a lot of Vito Bratas out there from the White <laughs> Lion days? Do you remember him? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, basically. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Noel definitely looks like a White Lion fan, no. but. Uh, <laughs> It right is now. bizarre because people walk up to me at Trader Joe's and ask me if I play the guitar and I tell them, no, I'm sorry. I'm a filmmaker and curator. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Not as sorry as they are. <laughs> hey. So, uh, you know, and just one of the things I wanted to mention too, in all fairness, we're talking about short films and some shorts that to look out for, you know, it'd be remiss uh, before I talk about the two of them. Uh, you know, there's a couple shorts that have changed my life uh for real uh, i remember watching at sundance in the balcony a little movie uh before this uh, feature called hell ride which was an awful film was this short little film called the rambler by calvin lee reader ended up making two movies features because i looked at my 
producing partner at the time. And I said, we got to find that kid and go make some movies. So, I mean, shorts can change your life in ways you don't oh, even understand. Well, and, and uh, of course, th there is one that you can name drop because Calvin also, a uh, friend, old friend of mine and who, uh, who I knew through different circles than you, uh, but Calvin also has had two of his shorts in the Department of Anarchy curations. That's right. Um, and there's not a lot of filmmakers who have more than one in. We are always open to and looking at our alumni's work, but it is always, you know, such a high bar that even if one of our alumni did some great work, it, had, it also has so much to do with what the kind of themes and and uh, motors are of that year's curation. Uh, and Calvin's nails, Calvin nails it every time. <laughs> so so I, I think right about now, it's a good time to take a quick pause. Hey everybody, this is Eric from Slate River Farms. You may remember me from episode one, titled Farm to Toilet. I'm just dropping by to remind you to please follow $5 Buzz on Instagram. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscription bell on YouTube. That way, you'll never miss an episode. The Buzzards have some great content locked and loaded for season three. I know I'm excited. Also, please check out Slate River Farms website and our socials. We raise and sell certified grass-fed, grass-finished beef and pastured heritage breed pork on our fourth-generation family farm in upstate New York. Order online and we'll ship our goods directly to your doorstep via one-day shipping for all of New England, New York, New Jersey, and PA. From our pastures to your doorstep, life gets crazy. At SRF, we believe in peace, love, and pork chops. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, my co-host, of course, George Kursar, with Noel Lawrence and Burke Roberts of the Department of Anarchy, uh, which has been a program at Slamdance for the past 10 years. So uh, w during the break, you mentioned something, you know, that I'd like to touch on. During this last year's event, uh, and at the last minute, I remember, did you get, you guys did online, you guys were never going to be live, were you? Well, we were right up until they canceled. I mean, so like, so they, they, they went the just, way just Sundance. like Sundance, just like Sundance, you know, up until the mark, they tried to plan to have a live event in Park City, but then it got canceled because. Okay. Of, um, so, but during that time, something very uh, unusual or uh, aggressive uh, happened. Uh, sadly, I don't think it's unusual. But, yeah. or, or aggressive yeah. happened to you guys yeah. uh, regarding your social media participation. Why don't you explain that? Yeah, it sucks that we haven't started a new one even so we could tell people to go to it because we're, you know, aside from loose. So yeah, Instagram for no fucking reason, as they do, just deleted our account right in the week that we were promoting uh, for this year's festival, online festival. Uh, I will try not to go down the rabbit hole of how I actually believe that the AI is already in charge and has been for some time. And I don't mean that in conspiratorially. I mean that in a, in a, you know, in the way that uh, we all know, or we fucking well all should know that, you know, all the machine learning and algorithms and stuff that are implemented by these giant monster companies, uh, you know, decide everything for us. And so it is, impossible to get a human being um uh of any kind of customer service on instagram it's only robots that you have that you work with so we spent weeks i was literally in park city because i ended up still being there even though it got canceled and uh i was uh snowboarding i had to stop for like uh four hours <laughs> to just 
send the robot, the Instagram robot, back all this shit that's like all, that's you know proving who we are, proving what we do, proving that we work with slam dance, all this stuff. Still nothing. We still never got a response. We worked on it for like a week. Um, and it's all just best guess, speculative. I mean, all the, you know, um, my social media managers, uh, you know, God bless them, they were kicking ass and, you know, and, and also we were spending money that Instagram also stole. Uh, they literally took money uh, out of our pocket for advertising that was supposed to be going on and just canceled our shit and took the money, didn't give us advertising. Good luck, you know, doing anything about that. Um, but then they, uh, you know, best we could tell, like, look, everybody's first reaction when we say our Instagram got canceled is what did you guys put up? What thing? Understandably, like we have a history of, you know, pushing the line, putting up shocking stuff, this and that. But, you know, we've learned our, our lessons. We've never been taken, actually taken down before on that. But there's, you know, we're, we're, we know what the, the sensor bar is for the kinds of stuff that we'll depict uh, out there. Uh, so the best speculative guess we have is basically simply that we just didn't know this because uh, you know it's in fine print somewhere if you go hunting but basically if you don't use your instagram for a long period of time and then you suddenly use it a lot they just think it's a bot or whatever and take it down and give you no recourse and no way to get back and all the followers are lost it was a beautiful instagram as far as the layout and you know hundreds of posts and but basically you know we only really utilize it because we're busy with our own lives uh so in between we only ever really utilize it when we are actually doing a presentation of a curation so instagram doesn't like that you have to use it all the time and i guess uh you know we start posting you know six to eight times a day very suddenly promoting what's coming up in a week or two and they're just like you're done so that long ramble is just to say, unfortunately, I don't even have any place to send your viewers and listeners uh, really to follow us and keep engaged other than paying attention to like when we put up a new one, they won't even give us our name back. So that sucks. Uh, but watch for, you know, you can always go to our, our, our we do have a uh, splash page that's uh, departmentofanarchy.com, which uh, when we do have new pages, we'll put links there, I guess, now that I think about it. But yeah, so that was what, fucking happen and uh they suck <laughs> well i mean seriously right. it's 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 like i mean this is i'm amazed there hasn't been clash action lawsuits because i know we all look we all know we're under their thumb but the thing is that was very frustrating for us we do this as a labor of love it's you know lots of people suffer from this promotion not being available from the filmmakers to the festival and so on but as we all know instagram has you know, weaseled themselves into being like an actually gigantic part of the world economy. And the fact that they can just do this, it, I'm sure there's people that have way worse horror stories than me where millions of dollars are being lost over just this kind of bullshit with them. And it's because we have no other choice, but we are guests on their platform. They owe us nothing. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, not, not, not for nothing though, they did do it to the president of the United States too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not soon, not soon enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, regardless of who that was, they still were. I mean, that tells you how fucking big they are. No, but that one. I, I, I mean, I know you're. I know you're making a joke, but at the same time, like, actually, to the contrary, there's a motherfucker who did break their sets of rules, 
constantly for years, you know, uh, and obviously that high profile situation, it's its own thing. But but I, I get your joke. But the point is that like, yes, even in, in you know, I, I'm the, just saying, the, the, the I fucking just Oompa, to, even in the Oompa Loompa's case, it's 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 it's, uh, you know, up to them. We're all I guests. was just trying to demonstrate how fucked you are. <laughs> that's all I'm saying in that regard. <laughs> you know that shit back. Sure. Um, that's really my, my uptake on that. So word 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 to the wise for you know most people are wiser than us already and know about this shit. But it's just like you know we're Gen X kids and and we just uh, like to have a place to share what we're doing for people. So you know we didn't maybe know these insides and outs where we have to just be in constant engagement or we get punished for it. There it is. Now, now, uh, real quick, I mean, before you got here to where you guys are together and doing this and that, Noel, why don't you uh, give us a little background on on yourself, where, you know, kind of just a brief background where you started uh, the Jake's Williams archives and uh, the motion picture that I just recently saw called Sammy Gate. Why don't oh, you, you watched it. I did. So I, I hope you enjoyed so, it. I did. So oh, it's, good, it, it, good. we'll talk about Sammy Gate last. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the other stuff first? Sure. Last, like okay. after we're done having the podcast, I would prefer, but okay. <laughs> okay, it'll be short. But... Ca ca capsule bio. Um, I've led a life uh, dedicated uh, to- Wow, this opener does not sound like it's going to be short. Yeah, no, yeah, I get it. <laughs> It'll be faster if you shut up, Burke. Uh, in any case, uh, what that me meant was, um, what I did, I, I, I did my bachelor's at Wesleyan, traveled in Europe for a while, spent a couple years at Stanford on a PhD that I quit, uh, spent a few more years at Silicon Valley, hated it. I was a professional. And uh, where, around, what, where uh, were you at in those days? Oh, I was in Silicon Valley. Yeah, but uh, any specific uh, organizations? I did consulting can... for Oracle, if you know yeah. that evil company. Like, yeah, uh, of course. Larry yeah. Ellison uh, runs it. Like, the reason that Annapurna exists is because of Oracle, because basically yeah. Megan Ellison got her father and, and, and Skydance movies. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There that's, you go. Her, that's her son, who's the successful one who makes pop movies. And then she does Annapurna, who makes um, art films and makes no money and has to borrow money, more money from dad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That part of the world is where, um, you know, commerce comes from, right? Instagram, the, what you're the, talking the about. Fucking, I, the I fucking digital, the fucking I, digital I, I, overlord I was just talking about. Correct. <laughs> that's what I was saying. Like that part of the, it's ironic. That's where you spend some time. And here yeah, we are talking beast. about the, yeah. 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 I got to tell you, there's a lot of money being made there. And yeah. it's really the most boring place. It's nothing but a giant office park. Sure. Yeah, I've been there, man. It sucks. Yeah, that sucks. I've been there. So, it's terrifying. I, and it, wait, and it's reached all the way up to fucking San Francisco. So which it, yeah, yes, exactly. Now Twitter and Facebook are based in San Francisco. San Francisco used to have an underground scene of which I was a part. Me too. Uh, and it is completely gone on at this point. Yeah, it's homogenized yeah. beyond belief. Nobody. So the city is not the city anymore. city anymore. No, it is not. Man, it's, I used to, dude. I'll tell you what, man. As a New Yorker. I would say San Francisco was my favorite fucking city to ever visit because it was, it just felt like you, when you showed up there, it was like, it had a vibe. It had its own scene. It was palpable. And it's like a real place. had, had, had. Yeah. And you, now you have $5,000 a month apartments and you step in human feces 
every 10 feet. I mean, it's yep. not. I mean, is it as bad as they say, far. man? Is it uh, that fucking bad? Worse. Worse. I was just shocking. there. I was just yeah, there. I, I, I lived there for two, for one year in 2016 when I was working on the flow. And yeah, man, it was, uh, it became a corporate town. So it was just big corporate high rise and then poor people that lived on the street shooting heroin. There was, but be, that, that was it. There was nothing in between. Uh, I mean, dude, no it, it looked, it looks speaking of New York. It literally looks certain parts of it like escape from New York. Yeah. You know, at this point, uh, it's, it's, I was in shock at how, I mean, it's tragic, but like the level of, of homeless communities. And I mean, people who are really, really having problems i mean just mental illness that is so i mean it felt dangerous 24 7 people walking by screaming crying punching and like he said human feces mania and then you trek a little bit up to what used to be you know as you pointed out like this really beautiful city it's still a beautiful city architecturally and it's just like you know nothing but uh tech boring tech execs who uh, have priced everybody else out of even being there. So it's just, I mean, there's yeah. no middle Who have the worst conversations city. I've ever overheard in my life. And their parties, and I'm pointing at all of you that know me, that knew me in 2016 in San Francisco, your parties suck. Yeah, tech bro <laughs> parties and fuck off. They're so boring. Uh, but, but in any case... So uh, you so so down in Silicon I Valley? Part of the, I, I lived there as part of the underground film scene. Uh, for a while, I had um, an underground oh, uh, DVD company for uh, avant-garde film. Um, I also began something known as the JX Williams Archive, which is a huge long story that I won't um, get into. But basically, I was uh, just curating, making avant-garde films. And around 08, uh, I came down to Los Angeles and uh, I met you and Burke. Yay! And, uh, you know, I continued uh, to make movies. I did more stuff at the JX Williams Archive. Um, you know, and since then, uh, I was working on a film called Sammy Gate uh, for about eight years or so. Which I watched two hours ago. Oh, good. good. <laughs> Just before we got on. That, that was an interesting experience. It was very, a very hard film to make. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm done with it. Yeah, uh, because I, I know I'll never do anything in my life that it was as hard as making that film. It's, as, <laughs> it's careful. I said that before. It, that's a movie <laughs> that is gloriously, gloriously as low budget, wearing it on its sleeve. It's got it's got one part James Elroy, one part Damon Packard, one part you know. It's just it goes on and on and on. You know, uh, from it's 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 about Sammy Davis Jr. being involved in a conspiracy that involves uh, heroin trafficking through the government, through the military operations of Vietnam and how he was a go-between between the Black uh, Panthers and or militant parties, the uh, the military, the the government uh, with Richard Nixon and the CIA and, you know, it all conspires. Yeah. Stuff stu stu that you all the kids like are all, you're, all you're the kids are mine, Roger. What? <laughs> You sound like you're talking about black helicopters in a minute. But that was the whole point of the movie. Yes. That I love conspiracy theory. To me, conspiracy theory is a lot of fun. And Not anymore. Used to be. Was, yeah, <laughs> you know. 
Uh, but in any case, uh, yeah, so I, I worked on that uh, for a long time. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess some of it you traded. I mean, what's great is that you traded some of the truthfulness of the time period, mixing in clips. I love the way that you always present Richard Nixon in a different movie that he was portrayed in. So you've got, you've got, um, you've got uh, Frost Nixon's uh, Secret Honor, Frost Nixon. You've got uh, Anthony Hopkins's uh, uh, the Oliver Stone film. Absolutely, yeah. We we got every single one of them. I had a great actor for Richard Nixon. Now I assume you're familiar with the uh, Fire Sign Theater. Of course. Well, that was uh, Phil Proctor, who was a founding member. Right. Okay. And this was a, a fellow who had 50 years of experience playing Nixon, basically <laughs> doing Nixon impersonations since the late 60s. Oh, so you had I Philip had Baker had Hall from Secret Honor. Sorry? You had Philip Baker Hall from Secret Honor also as Nixon from the Robert oh, Holman movie. Visually, visually. Yeah, that's what I meant. No, I meant all the like visuals. Yes. Yeah. I just loved it. All the different ones and how, you know, you that somehow Richard, that that deep throat comes from the fact that Sammy Davis Jr. actually got head from Linda Lovelace in the theater or from a woman. Anyway, it might have been Linda Lovelace got head in the theater while watching Deep Throat in a mainstream theater. That's in the movie and how he decides to name Deep Throat, who becomes the guy who, of course, breaks Watergate. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, it just it's all so over the top. Our our our. Uh, artist in residence and sometime co-host Nate would uh, absolutely love that film. He's totally, he loves that era, loves those conspiracy theories, totally down to, uh, so I'm going to make sure that he watches it too. And, you know, of course it's highly experimental in the way that you deliver the picture. So yeah, I advise people to take magic mushrooms or LSD. When the they opening watch. scene, he's eating a sandwich that's filled with LSD. That's that's right. That's so right. let me sidestep over to uh, Burke Roberts. So Burke, you know, you came out um, from you're from Colorado. You came out to Los Angeles, and go. Oh man, I wasn't prepared to do a whole bio. Just, you have not... just a quick one. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've been making films and uh, dabbling in lots of other visual art type of stuff uh still always related to film be it like a large-scale multimedia sculptures that involve video art <clears throat> this kind of thing uh to, you know I, and weren't I love, you in a I tv series as a young person uh weren't you in a tv series as a young person uh no and we're not going to go into that uh <laughs> um what up, i mean i was i mean i no, to, listen that's a former life uh I mean, look. If you want to talk about that, because Rogers, a I'm dick. teasing. I uh, I did uh, make a living as an actor in the '90s. Never really what I wanted to be doing, but I had too much reverence for uh, for filmmaking to um, to believe that I I had any business starting that as you know when I was you know in my late teens, early twenties. Unlike the fucking kids now, who uh, <laughs> definitely think they can do it. Um, some. Here and there, but uh, point is, I did then study uh, the craft of acting because I um, wanted to be of my generation one of the few. It's turned out uh, filmmakers who who really understood and paid attention to that craft uh, because at that you know my my generation was so involved with like you know music video music video type visual filmmaking and stuff. I mean, 
I would say really like the only uh, known, really known contemporary of uh, of mine um, that that clearly has that that as one of uh, as uh, one of his his you know master skill sets and 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 uh, is uh, P.T. Anderson, um, you know who, in, in fact, often when his films some absolutely hit, some absolutely miss for me. Uh, the acting is never the thing that lacks. I mean, he's, he really understands it. And it feels like, you know, the old generation that I know, uh, Noel and Roger, I know you guys love, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> when when that was that was the thing through the, through the you know, late 60s, early 70s and into mm -hmm. the 80s. Uh, let's, I'm sorry, I'm going down on a tangent, but the point was that, that, so I was studying that. And also at the time, I people told me I looked like an actor, so I, I went for a little bit, made a living, and no, we're not going to talk about what the fuck dumb shows I, I did in the era of the dumbest of shows. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I uh, I just love. Yeah, that. so I I I you know was a kid working with nothing and and uh, tend to still be that. Um, and you know I for over two decades uh managed somehow to make some really ambitious uh short films about a dozen of them did have a period where i had to finally succumb to making some music videos and, and commercials which i always try to uh, avoid but but i learned a lot from doing that and i'm uh, i'm happy to have um wait what's the one time yeah. on jesus ride shotgun oh my first film jesus yeah. that's a feature <laughs> length isn't it it was well, this is interesting because it actually speaks to the the uh, the uh, duality of man, if you will. <laughs> um, that one's I don't know, like forty eight minutes or some shit. But I still have this problem, where as a curator, I'm like, fucking what? Seventeen minutes? Come on, make me something. Show me something that's eight. But as a filmmaker, I'm like. I fucking tell the story and however long it takes to tell the story and fuck them. So, yeah. uh, and I also pay the price for that because it is hard, as you pointed out earlier, to uh, fit that in because real estate's valuable at film festivals. I, I, so I think, some of my longer shorts, what? Yeah, I was gonna say, one thing I do like about European film festivals is that uh, they are now offering a category called mid-length films. Yeah, that's great. And they are offering a home for that kind of a movie. I know Rotterdam now has I was gonna say Rotterdam has that, yeah. Program. Well, I mean, arguably, here's, here's the thing, arguably so do all the other festivals in America, they just call it episodics. And people show like episodes of a TV show that they would do that's about an hour or less. Um, but uh, anyway, um, Noel, Noel had his turn, so I'll continue to bore everyone. Uh, this is a competition to all to see who can bore everyone more. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, but Roger could attest to as, as can Noel and, and, you know, I, I felt Noel's pain while he was making Sammy Gate and that fucking thing took forever. And I've been through this shit as well. His, it went on and on. And when you have nothing to work with, people have no idea it, it, it when you, when you, whenever you finish a film, no matter how big a critic you are, and we all clearly are, 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 are you know, fucking psychotic critics for about a little while after you just like love everything because you're like. I can't believe anything gets made at all. God bless them for fucking getting something done. Because when you're working with nothing, man, it is it is insanity. Um, and Noel or uh, Roger, you've been on a couple of the wild rides. I I uh, have a particular uh, I don't want to call it curse, but um, where every project I do 
the ambition is clearly too high for what we have to work with. And no matter how prepared we are, the sky will fall in ways that is not uh, something we could have seen coming. So yeah, I did a lot of work. Uh, I've always gone out of my way to make sure that they're not available online because it used to be uh, that I would take them on tour, which Noel also would do. This is something we had in common. And actually he's, he and I are, uh, are some of the only, at least from, from you know a decade or more ago, uh, Americans that I know that actually would do this, which was go tour the underground film circuit in Europe. And in fact, nobody ever gave a fuck about my work in the States, but the Europeans, uh, you know, it's in, in America, it's funny. The, the And Noel told me if this is, uh, you get this question all the time too. People always want to go, what kind of films do you make? And, I always say good films. Uh, right. And well, and I always say that like, well, in America, they call them art films, but in Europe, they just call them films. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we get them more, get our, our Department of Anarchy project to continue to evolve and grow in, in such a way where people start to actually know the term anarcho cinema, because I do think that that's the term that I would love to be able to say I, to people. You know, the audience landscape is changing. The audience landscape is changing to the streaming platform. Agreed, platforms. agreed, agreed. It absolutely is. And, you know, and but a double-edged sword for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, but you know the kind of work that I've always busted my ass for to, to make happen and, and, uh, and uh, how yeah. little there was uh, were homes for, for such things other than to tour them and stuff. And, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very proud of having grown a, a, a reasonable cult following for a long period of time, uh, especially overseas. But, but um, you know, uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, I, I just, I just, uh, I played one of your um, shorts early in our, in our relationship, a movie called, that's how, that's how, that's how we met some of an equation. You should, yeah. yeah. Uh, that film is a, is a great example of what I was going to say. It's just always the pioneer, never the settler <laughs> for, and for, that film's short my, by the way. My, so it's not long. Absolutely. And that's why it, it you know, that one slayed and it, and it played, I don't know, 40 festivals or yeah, something, good ones. And, and, and I was an honored to be invited to a lot of them but that film is a great example of like that was made I, I mean with nothing and we the entire film is one shot this was before this became such a commonplace thing where it's like now it's almost like you have to do it and it's also way easier with all the technologies especially cgi people have no idea how much cgi is involved with that but we actually did it inspired by soy cuba uh which for your viewers and listeners who don't know is this amazing film that wasn't discovered until after the cold war scorsese actually in america it's uh, called i am cuba yeah uh Cuba. yeah scorsese put it out and it was actually it was actually a russian propaganda film made in the 60s about batista's cuba in the 50s um and it's and it's a film that's actually like four maybe five i think it's five short stories but in that film they were doing this really groundbreaking stuff for the time uh, and again, we never saw it until after after the, the wall fell, and we started to get to see some of Russian cinema. And um, and uh, what they would do is is all the stuff where you could you could tell it was still you know big heavy film cameras at the time, but they were pass the camera around and put them on big pulley systems, and it would fly over scenes through the and then go into a window, and then another operator would pick up the camera and move it and it would do things like drop down floors on some kind of elevator type of machinery and underwater and did all this great shit. So anyway, we did this uh, in a way that people probably now, if, if, if and when they see it, wouldn't realize how 
how practical it all is because it's, it has become so much easier to do. I, I mean, if this was pre-drones, we built, we did a whole thing where I, I actually just got a bunch of friends to create a fake traffic jam in Los Angeles on a Sunday. And we shot all day doing take after take. Um, and the camera goes in and out of cars and does this thing and it goes in upstairs and in the building and over the edge of the building falling to the ground, which was a rig that some friends of mine uh, built so that the camera would like drop at full speed and a dummy would swing in front of it and it would like stop like a, a foot from the ground and we were able to reset and get everybody back to one in all the cars and so on. Anyway, it was a fucking cool project and that was part of the fun of, of a lot of the gorilla stuff in those days because, um, you know, there's just so much available. I, I, I can't even imagine what what I may or may not have been trying to do with like even just like the gear I have in my closet now uh you know I would have been trying to make like fucking you know Lord of the Rings size features with this stuff when I was like you know 14 yeah but uh um anyway so <clears throat> that's about it other than then you know shit I won't get into a good better part of a decade just nightmare after nightmare life stuff that's where I'm at right now. I do have a uh, a uh, feature project that I'm really, really into that I'm developing, but I won't speak to it uh, yeah. at all yet. That's I all I wanted to you to say about that. And, and, and yeah, I do intend to shoot it next next year. So, yeah, guys, we want to be mindful of your time. So, uh, where should we be looking for you guys next? Right now, I mean, is there a festival that you guys are going to Instagram? Be Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Besides Instagram, I know. No, you you go. <laughs> Is it, I think you were saying earlier that you go in to take a look at uh, maybe heading over to uh, Portugal. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's interesting about, you know, Los Angeles and, you know, the business of film, et cetera, et cetera. Because I think there definitely was a time maybe like, you know, 20 years ago where if you didn't have a 310 area code, you know, nobody wanted to talk to you. And I had <laughs> friends who were living That's in Rhode Island, cut. like kept their cell phone. And it was like, don't tell anyone I'm in Rhode Island, you know, because they were afraid then they would never be able to be taken seriously again in Los Angeles. And the reality is, is that, you know, I run a small film consultancy and uh, I got clients in New York and in Paris and a few other places, LA. And, you know, LA's just been getting me down, especially during the pandemic. It's just been, California just kind of sucks these days. So I just decided, you know what? Uh, Portugal, it's really beautiful. It's about a third of the cost of Los Angeles. So I could be kind of like, you know, a no good, you know, bohemian artist and live there comfortably. And I wouldn't be able to have that kind of life if I lived in Los Angeles or New York, cause I'm not a trust fund kid. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to is that um, I had to make a choice in my own life, which is basically, what do you want to do? You can stay in LA, you can make money by doing editing and visual effects and taking gigs that you don't really care about that then you can you know use to pay a really high rent or uh, you could be an artist and you, but you have to live in Portugal. So I decided I'm going to live in Portugal. Boo-hoo, where they actually respect artists. artists anyway. So it's win-win. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's basically uh, why I'm going. Oh, I suggest anybody who yeah. wants to make art, like, don't go to New York. Don't go to L.A. 
go somewhere cheap because now that everything is globalized and connected, I think it's becoming less and less important for you to be in a particular location. I, I would, I would, I would agree, but give put an addendum on there, which is at least still for the time being, the 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 things that that uh, places like LA and New York and a handful of other cities around the world still do offer, and I do think that young artists should do their time in them. Berlin, uh, London, um, it it it. it, it Living just anywhere may, does make it a little bit more difficult to uh, find communities of of uh, yeah. that I think uh, is a good thing to pursue when you're uh, a younger artist. And um, it also has infrastructure. You know, for the, yeah, it's also for showing the, my yeah. age that you know I don't. <laughs> he's over and he's out. And it, yeah, I mean, Portugal just, is where I artists. My fiftieth <laughs> birthday. I just had my fiftieth birthday, so yeah. at That's this point, I'm like, I don't get anything more by staying here except money out of my pocket for rent it's 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 the miami for for artists like noel uh it's retirement community hey wait so (laughs) noel made that about his own bio again uh i wanted to wrap it up with actually answering your question which is in regards to the department of anarchy um obviously the future of film festivals in general is super up in the air Obviously, I think they'll come back. We'll see if, in what capacity. We'll see how successful they are, so on. We do not know what the future of Slam Dance is. They don't speak with us a, a lot about it. We know there's a lot. South of by had a really there. good run, by the uh, way. South South by had a really good by, run. Uh, sure, uh, I'm just I, saying. R- regardless, it's uh, it's 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 a it's a uh, uh, evolving. I won't say dying. I'll say evolving uh, institution. Film festivals in general. So uh, we will obviously always uh, remain a, uh, involved with slam dance in whatever capacity uh, they're doing their thing and that they you know, invite us to be a part of. Um, that said, however, it has been our plan. This was another thing that the uh, pandemic kind of squashed was we ha- were just in the beginning stages of what our, our kind of bigger picture thing is with our curations, which is doing international tours. Um, and world and we domination. Just, <laughs> no, but we were just in the middle of planning one. Noel had already done some screenings in Paris and Berlin just the year before the pandemic. We've done our screenings uh, a lot. You know, at, Roger, you've been to the very popular ones in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, the giant theater we were doing those at is now closed down, but we we're, yeah. you know, packing those places forward in seats. Um, and I think it's also the uh, Chicago, I think uh, Sundance always would do a thing. I think we've shown <sighs> in Miami, but and we want to do an actual uh, tour and we are and Noel and I will go with the films present the films and this is both domestically and internationally so that is still a part of the plan whether they're one-offs in particular cities or whether it's a whole schedule uh, this is still just a side thing that Noel and I do as a labor of love because we like curating we love meeting all these new filmmakers we love giving them a platform we are going to continue to uh, show this uh, the our curation at slam dance and and beyond is I guess uh uh, the well, thing so th- there's absolutely no way that i'm gonna stop causing trouble not right. till <laughs> okay yeah so or at least propping up others to do so will continue in some from his wheelchair to disrupt all right um, you, you know as long as i'm generate motherfuckers um <laughs> i'm so i love you both so much um the burke i'll see you soon probably um i guess uh, george do you want to take us out i think roger you, you you're you're you have the muscle memory take us out 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening in on this episode of $5 Buzz with the Department of Anarchy Boys, Noel Lawrence and Burke Roberts. We'll be hearing a lot more from them, and we'd love to hear from you. Please hit like on the button below the screen there and whatever platform you're watching or subscribe, please, to us. The more we get of that, the more that we can do of these. Uh, Please email us any questions or comments, guests or topics that you may have at $5buzz, and that's F-I-V-E-D-O-L-L-A-R-B-U-Z-Z at gmail.com. And we'll get back to you as soon as we're done banging our head against the wall. Thank you so much.